and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network, where we dive deep into Wabo's most nice and accurate work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. I am Ruben Morehouse, and we're back to talk about Malafide. That's how it's pronounced. Emma pronounces things, says so on YouTube. Um, <laughs> uh, Malafide is, uh, is, is kind of picks up right where the last arc, or the, you know, the end of the last arc with Blake uh, left off. Blake is on the other side of the mirror and Evan's approaching him and everyone's like, no, 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 Evan, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, it's pretty crushing, but it makes sense. Like, you can't really fault them. And I mean, I'm not just saying that to this moment with Evan. That that applies to this entire segment. That's the the summary of this entire first chapter, right, is, oh, that sucks so bad, but I kind of get it. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't feel like Rose and stuff are being that unreasonable, all things considered. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I think the thing that gets you the most is uh, Blake being hurt so much by this lack of connection to Alexis. Mm-hmm. Um, like he knows it wasn't a real connection, but I mean, like, you know, I just can't imagine what it would be like to have a connection that means so much to you and just know that you're getting absolutely none of it the other way back um, yeah like uh, it, that'd be that'd be so tough but the thing about it is it's also a fake connection so it's got really weird <laughs> like layers mm. of emotional weirdness to it well i um, mean that's that's something blake's dealing with in general like he, yeah. he's fake all his connections are fake it's sort of uh well except for tiffany um but it's it's very mm. much like he yeah, he's having to come to terms with like, does it, do you let it mean anything if you know it's fake? Yeah, it's it's such an interesting cocktail of emotions, and I think that's something mm. that is especially uh, underappreciated about Tiffany's position in all this because she's still ingrained in this group, even though she doesn't seem to have a real reason to be. Um, we don't really explore that this chapter. There's like some small mention to it, but. I yeah, don't know. I, I'm excited to see how that develops. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think there's more to do there, and um, yeah, I mean, I think all that's really talked about is Blake sort of mentions that Tiffany would have been his first real friend, mm. and so he's sort of identified, I think, in, in a way what she really can mean to him. Uh, that's that significant because she's always sort of been the one in the group that was like, oh, and also Tiffany. Tiffany's also here. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and now it's sort of like, okay, now. She's got this position as his first real friend, yeah, uh, and and she's going to matter for that reason. Yeah. Um. So, uh, people kind of start recognizing things about Blake. Alexis recognizes Blake's tattoos as her work, uh, or her work gone rogue, I guess. Um. Mm. And yeah, so Blake kind of clarifies for her: yes, this was originally your work, but also it's kind of not. Um. And he starts playing. Uh, he starts playing a bit. <laughs> Passive aggressive right out of the gate, dodging one of Rose's or two of Rose's questions about who exactly he is. Yeah, and I mean this really sets the tone for the rest of the chapter and the rest yeah. of the conversation. Is uh like Blake is just a bit of a you know revengey, angry monster like we've been mm-hmm. talking about, and he's he's not answering the questions clearly. Like as as much as I'm getting frustrated with Rose for some of the shit she's saying and all this, I was also just like, oh for fuck's sake, Blake, just answer the question honestly. Yeah. Like, you're trying to win their trust and you're speaking in all these like unnecessary riddles just just cut it out (laughs) now that he's an other he kind of has to speak in dumb riddles that's one of the rules 
um, well, I, I mean, yeah. honestly, like, I feel like that is part of it. Like, wh- whatever's happened to him with the spirits and, and becoming, like, a bit of a boogeyman mm. or whatever, like, I think I, I think this maybe is something that he doesn't realize he's doing yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, like, if he does make it to Mag's next chapter, I'm hoping Mag's will be the one to be like, the fuck is wrong with you? Like, why are you yeah. acting so different? Yeah, I guess nobody gets out of this situation clean, right? Like, no. I, I feel like, and the comments to this chapter kind of back up, that everyone gets pretty much on the Rose hate train here, um, Blake included. But I think Blake is not doing super well right now. Um, Yeah, I, I very much sort of came, like, when I finished this chapter, I was just like, I hate how everyone handled this. Yeah. Um, but also yeah. for most of them, I get it. Yeah, like, totally. 100%. I don't feel like anyone was being super unreasonable. I just feel like everyone was in a shit situation. Yeah. So, eventually, Blake is able to kind of spill the beans in a non-confusing way. Uh, <laughs> he explains who slash what he is, and it makes sense. And uh, everyone, kind of especially Evan, seems to kind of see that it is plausible, but uh, none of them, none of them, especially not Rose, buy it fully. I almost got the impression the others would have been willing to believe it if uh, Rose if hadn't Rose been wasn't there to there. Yep, shut definitely. it down. Um, and I mean, yeah, so the big thing for Rose, this chapter, that I think is why she triggers so much anger is because so many of the arguments she throws at Blake uh, in this is stuff that she was on the other side of before yep. Yep. or th- is stuff that she learnt because she was, like, you know, safe behind Blake. Yeah. For the first seven arcs. And it's like, you know, she doesn't know that. It's not really her fault. But also, you know, she still did all this stuff. And it's just like, it's hard not to hold it against her when, um, you know, like, I've got I've got one quote here where she says, uh, but as far as far as who you are or that you're a friend, there isn't much to go on except your say so. If you were going to lie, you would do something like that. Mix in truths with the fiction. Yeah. And like when I read that, I was like, oh, you, you, you motherfucker, <laughs> like, you yeah. hypocritical piece of shit. But then. She doesn't know that she's being hypocritical. I, I, uh, it's it's so emotionally complicated, this whole confrontation. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of on her side here. I think, like, it's easy to interpret this as uh, Rose is throwing back in his face all of the kind of concessions that Blake made to try and fight for her when the position was reversed. But I don't, I don't think that's fair. I think... Blake didn't really understand how bad of a situation he was in when he first accepted Rose. And if he had known how bad the situation was, he probably wouldn't have been so readily accepting of her, right? Like, if he had known how much everyone was out to get him, I don't think he would have uh, let Rose so completely into his life. Um, I, I mean, perhaps. He, he, like, that's the thing. She was in a position to be able to lie and and come off as ignorant as he was, whereas yeah. I think it's quite clear now that she wasn't. Yeah, um, yeah that's true. And, and so she had the opportunity where he didn't. But I also think, just based on what we know about Blake and, and the whole design of the thing, I think he wouldn't have anyway, and that's what's frustrating. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, again, like even if I do think, given her current circumstances, she's probably not being unfair, uh, and she doesn't remember. It's still just so frustrating to watch her throw things like where she calls Blake a thing and like specifically separates him from being a person. She's like, yeah. oh, anything. And it's just like, oh, like, she would have lost his, she would have lost her shit if he'd done that to her. Um, <laughs> yep. So, but Elliot, yeah. she is actually real, whereas he's not. So, <laughs> which means it should matter even less to her. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, it, yeah, it was just like it, 
it's kind of aggravating knowing what we know and I, yeah <laughs> it's like dramatic irony but for frustration yeah exactly <laughs> yeah dramatic frustration yeah um i also i just wanted to highlight this one line um where rose says uh boogeymen tend to be angry mm. or they tend to be self-destructive going out in a blaze of ruin and violence are you angry blake or are you the other type <laughs> and i mean blake labels himself as the other type he says he's the angry type but um I mean, I just thought this was interesting given his track record. I think going out in a blaze of ruin and violence is a fair description of uh, his previous existence. Yeah. Um, you've written uh, down here, Pequeno Las Dos, which I think yeah. is definitely very <laughs> accurate. Um, yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting moving forward to see uh, whether these are patterns Blake is going to repeat or not, given his, his second <laughs> shot at life. You would think that he is now starting to become more aware of these patterns, right? Oh, we'll yes, see, but at I the suppose. same time, he's becoming more othery, boogeyman-y, less in control is what it feels like to me. Like, he feels more emotional and impulsive than he used to, mm. which is saying something. Yeah. Um, a quote I like from this section that I'm going to pull out here is, uh, Blake smiled a little, then walked off the edge of the patch of light and over to the nearest reflective surface, the television screen. I watched them collectively turn, a little too fast, even alarmed. Um... <laughs> Blake is kind of clearly, I, unintentionally, I wrote down here, but maybe not unintentionally, adopting the kind of mannerisms of a boogeyman. Like, he's doing these kind of, like, creepy things without even realising, oh, I'm doing this thing that's creepy, like, I shouldn't do this because I want to keep them on side. It, it just feels like he's um, naturally becoming spookier, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> I mean... He- yeah, it's completely unnecessarily menacing and, like, really undermines the argument he's trying to go for with his words, which is, hey, I, I'm actually your friend and I'm cool, uh, but I'm just going to creepily smile and, like, warp around the room. Yeah. Um, like, it, it, it's this sort of stuff that makes me think that he's not as in control uh, of himself, uh, you know, pr- and I'm assuming that's due to, like, the, the possession going on at the moment, so, like, I'm hoping this is priority numero uno if he does make it to Mags. Mm. Is get back full control of his body. Yeah, or as much as he can. Because it, wait, or at least I don't even get the impression that he's really aware that he's doing these things. Mm. Yeah. Um. So, you know, hopefully Mags can call him out on that change, as I said before. Yeah. So an interesting reveal here is uh, Blake finds out it's been weeks since the factory incident, right? Mm. As in- he has now been part of the drains for longer than he actually existed. Um, and Rose has had a lot of time to really, you know, it, befriend the group and uh, make them her cabal and not Blake's cabal. Yeah, it's a bit of an interesting spin on things and kind of adjusts my timeline of, of how I, you know, even seen like 9.x. Um, mm. So, I, I mean, it, it implies to me that like shit in Jacobsville might be even worse than I thought if we're a few weeks in already. Uh, depending on when all those visions were. Yeah, it's hard to tell how long the war has been going on, right? Because we saw the start of it, or close to the start of it, and we saw some casualties, which presumably would have been a few days later, maybe? Um, Like, man, it, stuff's definitely going down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the <laughs> we've been getting hints for all of Arcanine and stuff. I mean, I mean whole, the whole story, really, that Jacob's Bells yeah. are- ticking time bomb and it feels like it's about to go off yep kind of can't wait um Me either. so blake is kind of making he kind of does this I, I don't know i kind of read this as as desperation which 
is probably justifiable. He he basically makes a plea to each of them to be like, hey, no, you know me, I'm Blake, I'm good old guy Blake, you know? Um, hmm. None of them really work. Nobody really buys it. Uh, or they buy it, but they kind of defer to Rose's leadership here. So Blake makes two final comments. He tells them what he learned about Ur being opposed by creation, just in case. And he promises Rose that if she fucks with his friends, he'll get revenge. Um, which is a great, a great way of getting her on side and proving that you're not just an angry boogeyman, Blake. Like, 10 out of 10. I mean, to be fair, one of the things she says is, like, that's the closest she comes to trusting him is when he says that. Yeah. Oh, um, my which, God. You know, it says just as much about her as it does about him, I, I think. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I like these little pleas where he sort of goes around the room um, because it gets, like, progressively a little bit more positive to the point where, like, Evan actually seems like he's maybe going to buy it, and then Rose just shuts it down and, ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I want to I wanna jump ahead in our notes a bit here and talk about that quote where Rose says, you're a lot easier to believe when you're talking about how angry and pissed off you are, Rose said, which is mm. so on point. Like, it, not just easier to believe, but he feels more focused. He feels more like himself. He feels more confident when he's threatening Rose, which I don't even know <laughs> what to read from that, but I love it. Oh, I mean, there's there's so much that could be potentially behind that. I mean, obviously, there are so many reasons he would want to go on a murderous rampage against yeah. Rose, not just here, but everything she's done. There's also the whole spirit angle. Like, that's the thing, trying to be calm. If he is filled with all these angry spirits, like him trying to be calm and, and, and keep himself contained is mm. sort of fighting that, and that could yeah. come across as sort of dishonesty and like he's he's having to try so hard like it, it won't feel natural mm. um but yeah i mean i think like a, a big sort of theme uh of this chapter or, or something the chapter talks a lot about is like the the power of words kind of specifically as a weapon mm. um and i i love this as a bit of a climax to or not not the climax but the bit where we approach the climax to that concept of like you know blake just sort of unleashes the first harsh words and they're the ones that have the most effect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rose's words in response are, of course, to banish him from the house, which is harsh, but fair, I think. Um, Blake kind of had the impression of, okay, well, I'm just going to be in the mirrors, so you can't do shit. I'm going to go read some books. <laughs> and Rose is like, nah, mate, get out of here. Um, yeah. I-, I I can't believe that was his plan in, yeah. in inverted commas. Uh, like, it's... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, this bit where she kicked him out of the house, but like, I was just like, oh, f- fuck you, Rose. I hate th- how much sense this makes and, and that I can't fault you for it. Yeah. Like, that's just, yeah, that was just how, that, that was just me. This entire segment was just constantly being like, fuck, fuck you, Rose. But like, I get it, but, but fuck you anyway. Um, <laughs> well, one of Blake's first thoughts, which is funny to me is I could have done that. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that. That's where he goes. Uh, it does feel a bit uh, regretful that he didn't just banish Rose from his life. <laughs> um, yep. Anywho. Uh, yeah. I, so then Blake's thought is that, well, yeah, so there's this quote where Blake thinks, Rose was t- tainted. I had no doubt about it now. The Rose I'd talked to in there had been off, not quite right, closed off, controlling, a course in mind, and no willingness to be swayed. Which, wow, that doesn't sound like anyone we know at all, Blake. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, because I think this is unfair. I mean, obviously, I've been losing my shit at Rose a fair amount, but- mm. I don't think she's acting that unreasonable. Like, you could make lots of arguments about how she ended up where she is, but mm. whatever. She's there now, and 
this guy she doesn't remember at all just sort of shows up and is like, hey, I'm basically your twin it's, brother. And- it's me, your best friend. <laughs> yeah. Sure, I look like and act like a scary monster, but trust me, I'm cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, convincing. Like, I- yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I don't... Like, I don't know how fair it is to attribute her behavior here to Taint um, from from Conquest. Yeah. I, if anything, this chapter feels very fair to me. The thing that makes me think Conquest Taint is... The- <laughs> uh, sorry, I have the humor, a sense of humor yeah. as a child. But the thing that makes me think, like, she's tainted by Conquest is, um, is that she, in this war, she isn't just trying to form an alliance and, you know, trying to find someone that she can tie herself to and, and be an ally to somebody, right? She's in it to win it, which doesn't feel like a great plan, um, but it does feel like a conquesty plan. Oh, and um, the, the way she interacts with the rest of the cabal is very, yeah. uh, like, commanding. Like, she has placed herself as the head, yeah. and they all feel very subservient in all the interactions. Yes, but having said that, I don't think anything she does in this chapter is the wrong move when you're playing it as safe as she's playing it. No, and I mean, that's the most painful thing about this chapter is that yeah. I can't hold any of her actions against her, really. Yeah. Um. So Blake <laughs> leaves the house now, and we kind of get our first look at what it looks like to be in this mirror world, right? Um. We never really understood it that well when Rose was in it, but now that Blake's in it, we kind of see it as this jagged, disconnected mess of scarce bits of reflection um that you kind of travel along as you walk Mm. and i mean it's interesting because like because you say that we never really understood it when rose was in it and that was because you know she made all these claims about how she couldn't travel to reflections that weren't near blake or in the house yes and i mean like that may be true it may not like we don't know at this Mm. point Mm. Um, um i think the thing that blake says is rose could only visit places that I'd visited, something, or, and so now the reverse is that he can only visit places that she has been, um, which that doesn't feel mm. like a coherent thing to me. Like, it feels strange that it's anywhere this person has been since I met them, now I can visit that place. I feel like there's something else going on there. Yeah, I, I'm more, in, like, the theory I've been working off right now is that Rose was maybe just full of shit or working off different <laughs> rules. Um, yeah. I, I'm split either way. It probably doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah. I I just wanted to pull this other sort of quote where uh, Blake says, the the further I got from Rose, the clearer my own reflection became. Mm. Um, I totally missed this line on my first read through somehow. Uh, but like, not only is it like fantastic symbolically, um, you know, him going further away from Rose clarifies himself, but yeah. uh, the it has interesting implications for how things work between the two of them. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and like, how they worked before. Yeah, the closer they are to each other physically, the more they, what, feed off of each other, consume each other. Like, mm, that's exactly. the impression that I get from it. And I mean, like, again, this is packed, so it sort of makes sense that, you know, they're, they're, if we believe, I think it was Isadora who used to talk about the fact that they were kind of, just when they were in each other's presence, they felt the need to be in conflict because they were, you know, it, it didn't make sense in the universe for them to exist. Yeah. And so, of course, those two things align, like the actual implications of, of what that means have physical stuff, because this is packed. Um, yeah. But, like, it, you know, if we go back to what we are saying about how maybe Rose was full of shit before, like, could she have been doing secret missions um, to, like, other places to get her reflection? Like, I'm just wondering if some of the times she went back to the house without Blake, like, mm. if things were different for her there. Um, I don't know. 
Yeah, I'm possibly. Just, I'm just very much on board the, like, Rose was up to sneaky shit train right now. Well, we'll find it's out It's the only way I can more, vent I my anger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, so Blake realizes that he needs help. Uh, he can't. He can't handle the world on his own, so he he thinks, who can help me? Oh, Maggie can. So he's going to find Maggie. He's not aware of her name change, I suppose. Yeah, interestingly, he's he's aware that she still knows who he is, but he's not aware that she's had her well, name Well, he only changed. knows that she knows. No, wait, no, I'm thinking of... It, was it Mrs. Lewis who told him that Maggie remembered him? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um... Uh, anyway, so Blake goes to find Maggie, but he, he doesn't make it too far before running across Ev and Keller, our favourite fairies. <laughs> I love how my reaction to, like, the introduction of Ev and Keller was equal parts, oh no, and like, oh yeah. yes. Uh, like, I think I just verbalised an ooh, because I wasn't sure <laughs> if it should be followed by a no or a yeah. yes. Um, and of course, like, you know... Uh, as as we sort of touched on, if this is if the theme of this chapter is sort of that words have power and that they're weapons, like what better way to round it out than with some fairy? Yeah, um, I love that Evan Keller haven't really been in the story that much, but their introduction you immediately know who they are um, when they say <laughs> hello, hello, hello. I heard a female voice, melodic and sing song. Did I spy? Oh fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> like straight away it's like oh fuck this is exactly what Blake doesn't need like he's a vestige that is basically held together with scraps of glamour and and fucking pixie dust right like <laughs> fairy are the exact things that could fuck him up and I love I love that you immediately kind of know that just from this and I mean what I really love about that introduction is like the the fuck no and your your realization of what's happening happened before it's even clarified yeah. who. Or I think it's what the word sing it song that gets yeah. across to me. The the little like hello hello and then like the did I spy? It's like all these little gamey childish yeah. type things. You're just instantly like, oh, it's it's the fucking fairies. Like yeah. right. Um. So Evan Keller are on the prowl hardcore here, right? Like they immediately mm-hmm. are able to pretty effectively uh, do whatever they want to him. Um. They they kind of are entering into the mirror world and doing these things to surround him and trap him. Um, Blake is trying to get away from it, kind of chatting to them, but he's completely outmatched. Yeah, and I love this whole sing-song rhythm they they enter where Blake is, like, aware of it, but he still can't do anything about mm. it because uh, that, you know, that, that mirrors a lot of what we saw in Maggie's uh, arc. And... um. I mean, I also love the sort of callback to, uh, I think it was like chapter 1.5, mm. where uh, Blake first encountered the trio uh, back when Maggie slash Pordring was still around. And it, it was like, they're like, oh, it smells like a rose, but, you know, it doesn't, and it looks like a rose. And it, Blake was, but this time Blake just gets to be like, we've already done this, <laughs> fuck off. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, Blake's kind of, Weak attempts to to shatter their tricks are so they give you such this vibe of like impotence, right? Um, Blake's things like saying things like "Oh, lighters don't work that way," and it feels very like he's just so unable to outsmart them or trick them in his current state. He's just too weak to affect any real change here. Ah, uh, yeah, for sure. It, it's all very desperate, uh, kind of feeble attempts to forestall them even a little bit um eventually blake you know is is throwing blunt words at them to try and counteract their fairiness 
uh, and it doesn't work. But eventually, he kind of bluffs how scary he is, saying, "Hey, don't fuck with me. I'm I'm big bad Blake now." Um, and it seems to work. And then Blake resumes his search for Maggie, uh, redoubling his efforts before he gets eaten by fairies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean. It's kind of cathartic in a way because he finally gets to unleash some of that anger that he wasn't able to point at uh, Rose and friends mm-hmm. uh, at the time. Like he just gets to unleash yeah. a bit, which is I, actually now that I'm saying that it's nice, I'm worried that it's indulging the wrong kinds yeah. of impulses. Um, I, I think that's a big part of what we're doing here, right? Is Blake leans more and more into his otherness, and that is what makes mm. things go smoother for him. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I, I see that, because that, again, that's kind of what happened with yeah. Rose um, when, when she said that she trusted him more when he was just being yeah. angry. Um, but yeah, so I guess, not to be a pessimist or anything, but I, I'm not convinced that Blake genuinely yeah, scared them. Yeah, it doesn't them. feel like they were scared, does it? It felt like they just kind of decided to stand back. Yeah, and, and like, my, my first thought was, their thought was, ooh, this, this guy's interesting, like, let's- Let's let him do his thing, you know? Mm. Uh, like, if if he'd just been a normal, boring person, they would have had more fun torturing them. But presumably they got a look at this, like, angry side to Blake, and they're like, yeah, okay, this this will be fun. Let's let this thing yeah. keep doing presumably whatever it wants. Presumably they want to watch him and Rose go at each other's throats. <laughs> right? Like... <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, and yeah, because, I mean, and, and that's the thing. Like, I, I assume Fairy are, are cool with most boogeymen, because they're all kind of unique. So, mm. like, I imagine they're, they're a good source of uh Yeah, fun. of entertainment. Yeah. 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 If, yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, so that's sort of how the chapter ends, like, Blake has headed off, and I mean, I guess we already sort of talked about it, but I, I feel like this chapter was all sort of setting up, you know, obviously we know in this world words have power, mm-hmm. we've seen that a lot, we saw it, that's how Blake got away from Ur, but I feel like the specific chapter, uh, the specific focus of this chapter was sort of how they can be used as mm-hmm. weapons, um, like, Blake gets physically hurt by the conversation he has with his old yeah. friends, Rose literally kicks him out. He obviously uses words to scare off the fairy, and they're just using words to scare him. Um, so, I mean, that's that's interesting heading into an arc that is basically all about bad faith. Mm. Um, so, I'm looking forward to seeing how this uh, how this continues. Forward. Yeah, uh, that's the end of uh, 10.1. But I yeah, the, but so malafide. We didn't really translate it for people, but it means bad faith. It's kind of the opposite of bona fide, right? Um, Yes. I'm interested to see, because I, I think one possible read on what that means so far is Rose, I mean, we kind of assume now Rose doesn't know who Blake is. Uh, I think it would be easy to have an interpretation that Malafide, Rose acting in bad faith is her knowing who he is and still kind of not wanting him around. That would feel like a very mm. Malafide thing to do. But I, <laughs> I think that's not it. I think I, I kind of actually believe that Rose is being genuine here. And I know that I've been saying that this whole chapter and it's proven <laughs> false, but I'm going to stick to it. Um, Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I have no reason to doubt Rose at this <laughs> time. Except that um, she's lying I'm just... before consistently. Well... No, but she's awoken well, now, right? So she uh, can't I get, anymore. Well, yeah, hopefully. that's true. She is awoken now, theoretically. Um, yeah, I mean, we didn't see it. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I- I'm more interested to see if maybe Blake is going to act in bad faith uh, throughout the arc. That that could be yeah. interesting. Yeah. Because uh, I-, 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 I feel like a big thing this arc is going to have to be exploring who slash what Blake is Yeah. Now. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that's one of the things we're going to see is Blake actually exploring what does it mean to be an other in the real world. Um, we obviously saw him embrace his otherness last chapter, but 
it was in the context of the drains where everything's an other. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, so before we wrap up this episode, I wanted to uh, dive into some comments from five years ago when Mal- Malafide 10.1 first came out um, to see what people were saying about this chapter. There was a lot of Rose hate yeah. in there. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people are pretty pissed off at Rose at the moment. Yeah, I mean, just just coming at it from Blake's perspective, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's hard not to hate her for it. Again, I I keep having I keep getting really angry and then forcing myself to take yeah. a step back and be like, she doesn't know. It's not her fault that she's saying all <laughs> yeah. these things that are just spitting on <laughs> on the past. Yeah, it's um, okay. Like I forgive her. Um, but I mean, also at the same time, she seems to be running headlong into a really dark. Path. Yeah. Um, actually, I want to bring up the comment I found had had to do with this, kind of a, maybe a new spin on it, which is a comment by Jacuziant, which is a longer comment kind of about Rose kicking Blake out. And there's a, there's a few things in there. But the bit I really want to pull out is right at the end, Jacuziant kind of reminds us, hey, remember, Rose has inherited all of the bad karma from the Thorburn line now. So it's mm. fair to assume that the way we saw that people treated Blake badly because he had all his bad karma people, potentially including Blake now, are going to treat Rose badly because of all her bad karma. Well, and and not just that, but we saw Blake get fucked over on opportunities where he was trying to befriend yes. people. Like, the way the karma sabotaged him, like, the, the, the one I always go back to is after he fought Latita and got the blood in his mouth. Yeah. And, and, and people suspected that was karma. So, like, you know, Ro- the spirits might have been pushing Rose to, to reject him, you know? You never yeah, know. Yeah, or pushing Blake to kind of think that she is, oh, she's clearly tainted. Like, that's where he goes immediately. Mm. Maybe is some karma shenanigans on top of the universe making them hate each other shenanigans. Um, it, I think it's an interesting point to keep in mind, and one that I think adds a little bit more to the fire of Rose is actually just doing what Blake would do in this situation. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's a good point because we've we've kind of fallen into throughout the the first most of the story that we've read so far. It's always been Blake is the center of the bad yeah. karma, so it's been and it, it's been his perspective we're in. So it's very easy to identify all the bad things that happened yeah. to him and be like, well, that was karma. Uh, now we have to sort of separate. Wait, well, now we're in the perspective of the person next to the person with bad yeah. karma, and we've got to kind of adjust our thinking yeah, there. Definitely, I, I think that's a really interesting way to kind of. Think about this chapter, but also frame whatever might happen throughout the rest of the arc. Mm. Well, yeah, like Isadora said, Blake being able to recruit his cabal might have been his bad karma, and um, maybe Rose keeping them around is the same mm. thing. Uh, we'll see. Maybe she does care about them. I don't know. Who knows? Um, yeah, like we don't we don't know what her history was because she was bullshit. <laughs> um, so I, I've pulled out a comment by Bart, mm. like. Like, eat my shorts, Um, cowabunga, dude. Yes. And it's sort of part of a larger discussion talking about how Blake might have been able to better prove himself to Rose and the Thorns, Mm. which is what people in the comments (laughs) had started calling the Cabal, which I I really like. Um, uh, So, you know, there there were sort of discussions about whether he could have agreed to be limited by the Seal of Mm. Solomon to prove that he can't lie and and all sorts of things. Um, But I pulled out Bart's because I thought it was one of the most interesting and, and like, funny, um, which Bart just said, couldn't he have called the lawyers as, uh, like, a, a as neutral a, as third a party surprise to verify witness. his story? <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like that's a terrible idea, right? I feel like there's no situation where that doesn't fuck over Blake to the extreme. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it would have been a clusterfuck, but it's funny to I imagine. I would like to see Mrs. Lewis's reaction to seeing Blake now. Like, does she, she must know that he's out now, right? Yeah, I mean, as I sort of said in, uh, was it 9.2 and 3 where mm. she showed up? Like, I, I mean, ever since then, I've been harboring a sneaking suspicion that, uh, she's very pro-Blake, uh, beyond just the, you know, the subtle things she was doing before. Mm. Like, uh, I don't I- know. I, th- I think regardless of what her end motives are, I I think maybe she's been helping to nudge Blake in the not being dead direction. I hope so, because based on what she seemed to present herself as, if if she knows that Blake's around, I feel like the lawyers are a pretty big threat to Blake right now. Yeah, yeah, that's um, true. Anyway. Well, I guess, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe the contract doesn't stipulate, like, that Blake can't just replace her. I don't know. We'll yeah. See. Yeah, who knows? Like we we don't know what the job is that they've that they've been hired to do. <laughs> I think we'll never know. <laughs> um, no, yeah. you're right. Uh, but that's the end of our episode. We'll find out some of these answers to these questions throughout this arc, hopefully, uh, or throughout the rest of the story, or never. Who knows? Um, but if you enjoyed <laughs> if you enjoyed Malafide ten point one, and you want to discuss it with us or discuss uh, uh, how it impacts or what you think will happen in the rest of this arc. The place to do that is in our discussion thread, which is in the uh, episode description down below. Yes, uh, and if if you've had enough of Pact for today and you want other things to, to take up your time, you should head to doofmedia.com where there's tons of other podcasts for you to listen yes. to. Uh, a new episode of Do the Right Thing came out the other day, and yeah. uh, I think they've announced a bunch of new rules because that podcast, <laughs> the number of stories has really yes. taken off and they're, they're having to... <laughs> Create a system to uh, limit how many they can tackle. It was each a three-hour-long episode, which I mean, they've really <laughs> embraced the Doof Media style since they joined, right? Um, not like us. This episode's only going to be about forty minutes. Oh, we got to pick up the pace. Um, no, I would definitely yeah, check out we'll Doof Media. Right I'm really enjoying the communal aspect to it. Um, obviously, shows like our show and and uh, We've Got Ward have a communal aspect to them, but the the sheer kind of joy that the community brings to do the right thing i think makes it one of my favorite doof shows yeah well by design it's a very it's a show that you you become proactive in because you're writing stories yeah i mean they they say that you've got to like uh well the best thing to do is head into the thing and try and like give constructive criticism to everyone else's stories but honestly i just keep loving them too much and they're usually better than mine so it feels weird to critique (laughs) them yeah um but like, yeah, it's it's a really fun and very like involved community by its nature. It's it's been a lot of fun to to sort of see the stories coming yeah. out of it. Um, speaking of involved, if you want to get involved with us reading the next episode of Pact, the best place to do that is on our Twitter, which is at <laughs> MediaMD Podcast. I mean, but like a better way to get involved would be to head to Patreon.com/slash/DoofMedia uh, yes. yes. and uh, join join the Doof Discord for just a dollar mm. a month. There's other perks that are. Um, for all the all sorts of different monetary values, but uh, for just one dollar a month, you get the Discord and you can join our community in full. And honestly, it's a great Discord server; it's a lot of fun. So come join us. Um, while you're on Patreon, why don't you check out Wildbo's Patreon as well? Because he's the one who I don't know if you've heard wrote Pact. Uh, so without him, this show definitely wouldn't exist. Hmm. Um, so go and check out Patreon.com/Wildbo and throw him a few uh, dollary dues. That's what we call them down here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. So apart from that, I guess we'll see everyone on Monday, the 19th of August, for Malafide 10.2.